Good morning. My name's Jason. I am a church planning resident here uh, in Council Bluffs. And so, once again, that's been amazing. And we're pretty excited as we here in Council Bluffs, and I'm assuming you guys uh, as a family of churches, as we're wrestling through and excited about being, you know, gospel-centered and spirit-empowered. Amen? All right, gospel center, we have a message to proclaim, and we also have a spirit that empowers us to do that and live a holy life and follow Jesus and be on mission, right? We don't want to divorce those. And so what's happened a lot of times is you have some churches that they're known, they're word churches, right? So they're, they're known for good preaching, good teaching. It's structured. It's safe. It's predictable. I say those all as good things, right? But then you have sort of the spirit churches, a little scary, kind of wild, uh, you know, spontaneous, you, you, you experience it, right? You're kind of in that. And so over here, you know, good, but it can feel a little dry. And over here, you know, the sermon's been prepared for like six years. The guy's ready to go. Over here, the pastor's writing it as he walks up. It's, it's crazy. Um, and so for me, uh, I was raised in a spirit-centered church. So I was raised as somebody's a God kid. Uh, later on, I, we left that church, went to another AG church. Uh, so I know what it's like to be in a spirit-centered church. So I get to talk about the word today. Go figure that. But um, those of you, some people are kind of scared when they think about spirit-centered churches. Anybody uh, want to be honest? A little, little anxiety about that? Right. Um, so as a guy, let, let me ease your concerns. Uh, you're, you're worried about like things could get crazy. Uh, maybe the pastor is going to preach uh, bad theology or maybe downright heretical theology. Right. Well, I want to ease you and say, yes, that's true in my experience. Absolutely. That happened. Um, just to give you some examples, the pastor I had growing up, he was classic word of faith. Name it, claim it blab it, grab it guy, right? So uh, you could change reality based on the power of your words. If you're sick, you ain't sick. Just say you're healthy and you'll become healthy. If you're broke and poor, just say I'm rich, I'm blessed, and that will happen. But I got to give credit to my childhood pastor. He kind of kicked it up a notch and I still have no idea where he found this or how he came up with this, but he had this theory called uh, and he did a series on this of provoking your angel. Okay, so I'm giving you an example of theology. Provoking your angel, where uh, because of the power of your words, if you said, man, I, I, that scared me to death. What happened is you had this guardian angel that would follow you around and protect you. And so when you almost got in that car wreck and he saved you and you said, that scared me to death, you were making him look bad. All right, he didn't like that. And so he turned from this sort of angelic being who was there to protect you to he kind of transformed because you upset him into sort of a, a wife beater wearing Paul Mall smoking, like I got a bat and I want to break you kind of guy. And so he believed that certain people died because they provoked their angel. Uh, that's bad theology, guys. That is not good. Not good theology. Right? That's our concerns, that we'll hear stuff like that. But in the midst of that craziness, uh, I saw the Spirit do some amazing things, not just at that church, but in the church I went to later. When I saw people healed, I saw people delivered of uh, demonic oppression, spiritual bondage. I've seen people where uh, they had stuff in their hearts that they hadn't told anybody, and the Holy Spirit 
spoke to someone, gave them a word, and it just broke them. And they saw healing. Uh, not physical, but emotional healing. And they, they heard, wow, the Spirit knows me, knows what's going on, right? And even in the midst of that craziness, I remember being a, a young guy, late, late teens, early 20s, me and some of my buddies would be at the church praying, seeking Jesus, wanting more. And you ever had that experience where you're like, you're, the, the Spirit's with you, like he's in you, and you're like, if I get any more, I'm going to bust, Right? And so our prayer was not more because we knew we couldn't handle more, but give us a greater capacity for you. We want to experience you more. Right? We're not content. We want more. Even in the midst of that craziness, we saw God do some crazy things. And so what happened for me was as I prayed that and prayed that, years later, I was uh, in St. Louis and I was uh, listening to a sermon by Scott Sauls. He was my pastor at the time. I was a church kid. Uh, I'd been to Bible college, and I'd heard David and Goliath a hundred times. And he's preaching on David and Goliath, and I'm waiting for him to give me five good principles to defeat my giants. I'm waiting for that. I'm expecting that. And he says, you are not David. You're Israel hiding like a coward up on the hill, and Jesus is going out for you to defeat your giant of sin, death, and hell. And he's going to take it a step further than David, and he's going to let sin, death, and hell crush him. Right? And I was like blown away. And the way I look back at that moment and my heart breaks, because here I was, this kid growing up at a very spirit-centered church, cultivating a desire for Jesus and more of him, but I never heard the gospel in my life. You know what I mean? I knew the, I knew the message of salvation, but the gospel, I had never seen it played out like that. It was freeing to realize that the Bible is not about me and me working harder, doing better, being gooder, Right? But Jesus had done it already, right? That was liberating for me. And so for as a guy who grew up in a spirit-centered church, and my job is to talk about the word, uh, what I wish I would have seen back then was this, is that I want to talk about Psalm 119, 9 and 10. Uh, Psalm 119, 9 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. City Light, we are a young family of churches. Right? There are churches and denominations that are not just a little older than us, but they have decades and centuries on us right? in history. And they're doing some good stuff, but they have not guarded their way according to the word. And now their eternal impact is nothing, right? Currently now, because they've walked away from the word. Right? They're not preaching the gospel anymore. We got to guard against that. Right? And corporately, as leaders, as teachers, we're all leadership here in some capacity. We want to shepherd people with the word. Right? The word guides us and protects us. That's why we need it. It would have been helpful for me to think, wow, uh, maybe this angel doesn't want to crack my skull because I had the word guarding and protecting me. Right? Um, and what we need is it shapes our Christian life and our doctrine, and we want our doctrine to bleed Scripture. Amen? We want it to believe that. We want it to be full of scripture. Verse 10, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. We will fall sadly short if we think the Bible is about checking a box, looking for truth or principles or doctrine. And those things are all good. But ultimately what we want the word to do is cultivate a love for Jesus. Amen? We want to see a love for Jesus. So my beautiful wife is here, and we've been married. It's going to be eight years soon. And the more, can you clap for that? Come on, guys. We believe in marriage. 
But here's the thing. The more I get to know her, the more I love her, right? Um, when I know what makes her laugh, when she cries, I want to know why do you have those tears? Because I care about her. I want to know her. And a love uh, that is ignorant of its object ends up being sentimental, right? Let me say that again, right? Love that is lacking in knowledge is often just sentimental, right? It doesn't have much depth to it. There's not much heart to it. When I saw Jesus in the story of David, my heart grew for the love of my king because I saw him now in an even greater way. So the word, we can have an awesome time in worship, but what the word does is it's showing us more about him so that when we enter into worship, we can praise him even more. Amen? I'm yelling a lot. <laughs> Probably caffeinated. All right, and so the word shows us who our God is, gives us a better picture of him, which is designed to give us a greater love for him. City light, let's be people of the word so that we love Jesus more. Right? We can't divorce those. So see, let's be men and women who are seeking the power of the Spirit. Let's actually look for the Spirit to show up and not think we can do ministry without him. Right? We need him to show up. Uh, and look for the Spirit to heal and to reveal and speak and convict and redeem. Right? We want to see the Spirit do that. Let's be churches that are not just merely word-centered, but let's be gospel-centered and spirit-empowered. Right? That's what we want. And my prayer for us as a family of churches is that may God give us the grace to preach the word and show that the Bible is all about him, right? Uh, may we have the power through the Spirit to lift up Jesus every Sunday when we're on campus, when we're ministering to students, you know, when we're doing administrative work. May our hearts just want to exalt Jesus in all we do. And if we don't do that, may we just stop doing it. Let's continue to lift up Jesus, right? And may we develop, may we raise up disciples that use the word to guard their own hearts and to develop a love, an increasing love of Jesus. Amen? Let's, let's be word, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered churches.